This show is, of course, about the role-playing game Mage the Ascension. And on today's show, we're going to be talking to Lee Webb, and we're going to be talking about the perils of paradox. And I like the description he wrote for it. It's, every modern-day fantasy story has to confront a fundamental question. If magic is real, where has it been hiding all this time? The answer to that question in Mage is paradox. Lee, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, doing good, doing good. Now, before we go any further, because um, we have a lot to discuss, uh, congratulations on the birth of your baby. Yes, yes, uh, two weeks old today. Oh, my goodness. Baby girl, baby boy. Baby girl, baby girl, beautiful baby girl. What's her name? Leonora. Leonora. Whoa, that's a beautiful name. Is that a family name? Uh, no, we, uh, it's a uh, spinoff of Eleanor. It means uh, light. Oh, that is fantastic. Now, are you a newly minted father, or do you have any other kids? Oh, this is the first one. This is going to be a wild ride. <laughs> oh, so exciting. Well, um, all the luck to you. I'm really envious of all the adventures you're about to have. <laughs> so, um, let's get into Mage. Uh, now, the question I ask everybody who is new to the show, and you are uh, a new guest, and hopefully we'll have you back again. Um, the question I ask is, how did you get into role-playing games? I got into role-playing games in high school, uh, in uh, ninth grade. Uh, some friends at lunch were playing some games, and uh, I was like, hey, what's this? This looks like fun. I'm a creative person. This is like a creative outlet. Let's try this out. And then my parents got a little grumpy with me because they had heard that D&D was, you know, the devil. Yes, I remember that. Uh, I, I got lucky. My, my mom was kind of a born-again, but uh, for some reason, radar or maybe she just recognized that uh, that was silliness but uh, so the question i want to ask because for each generation is different i think role-playing games and also thanks to the tv show stranger things it's it's fairly mainstream and and people are into it uh, but i certainly know that when i was a kid you had to be a nerd to get into these sort of things so were you a nerdy type of kid a creative kid or you were a jock and you were lured into the dark side what's your story oh i was a nerdy spaz i have add man it's like having ace ventura live in your head Oh, my goodness. Well, I can self-identify with that for sure. So what was it about role-playing games that uh, captured your imagination? Well, I was, I, was like, I was nerdy. I was into comic books. I was into uh, uh, you know, cartoons and anime and everything else that came along that made my brain sparkle. And uh, role-playing games, I mean, basically the combinations are infinite. You can you know, keep playing that out in your brain forever. And how did this lead to Mage? Well, uh, about 2003 or so, the group I was playing with uh, started up a werewolf game, and then that uh, moved into Mage after a while when uh, we kind of got split up and had to start up something new. Well, you know, that's interesting because for most people, myself included, the introduction to World of Darkness is Vampire, but for you was Werewolf. I've never played Werewolf. What was your experience with Werewolf? Oh, it was fun. We started it because the guy who was running it, uh, uh, Tony, uh, Tony Ferguson, uh, who's passed uh, since, uh, he wanted us to kind of gel as a group, as a troop, and uh, he thought the werewolf would be a really great way to do that because of the nature of how a pack in werewolf works. And did it work? It, it worked pretty good. We didn't know what we were doing, but we learned as we went, and we had a lot of fun just you know running around, tearing up the city as werewolves. And so, as you said, that led to Major looking for something new to do. But what made Mage so special that it, 
that you continue to playing it and and why do you love it so much? I mean, it could have easily been vampire, it could have been AD and D, it could have been werewolf. What is it about mage? Well, because mage is basically every science fiction and fantasy story you've ever heard of all mashed together. Uh, literally anything you've ever like everything from the movie Hackers to Star Wars to uh, to Lord of the Rings to uh, like anything ridiculous, you know, like uh, uh, Terry Gilliam movies it can all be mashed into Mage. It's literally an infinite game. Now, are you more of a player or a storyteller? Oh, I love being a player, but I've been the storyteller for the past several years because no one else wants to run. Yeah, I, I understand that problem. Uh, fortunately, I'm with a person right now who loves storytelling, and he's doing a Vampire Chronicle. Uh, well, tell me a little bit, before we get into Paradox specifically, tell me about some of the, uh, the campaigns you've run. What are they like? Are there any like, particular themes you like to tackle, or are there any particular uh, orders and traditions you like to draw upon? Well, uh, I personally, uh, as a starter tradition, I always steer people towards the Akashic Brotherhood because I feel like everybody, thanks to movies, understands mighty kung fu. And while the Akashics are a lot more than just, you know, uh, punching things through walls, uh, that's something that people can really get into easily. Uh, things I like to run are uh, heroic. I like uh, doing uh, heroic fantasy where, you know, you're the the heroes standing against like the armies of darkness but uh, I find it's really easy to run uh, kind of uh, murder mysteries hmm yeah that does seem to be a trope in world of darkness games so uh, last question before we go on um, we live in a modern era and as you get older as you know your friends move away they have jobs or whatnot do you still get together at a gaming table or do you find yourself doing games on on say something like roll 20 well we have a group that's managed very luckily to meet on weekends on a regular basis and uh, we're fortunate in that we've tried some digital stuff but some people have difficulty with the uh, not being able to see and interact with people so mostly we try to do it around the table and how long have you been playing with your friends this particular uh, group this particular group uh, about eight nine years Oh my goodness! So, do you guys have like a particular uh, shorthand when you play? Uh, shorthand for what specifically? Uh, just phrases and terms that are just like you know, if you're not in the group, nobody would know what the hell you're talking about. Oh yeah, we have tons of in jokes, like all kinds of ridiculous little quotes that someone threw out. Uh, you know, uh, as ridiculous as it is, uh, shoot them in the face is a running gag because of a uh, a droid my wife played in a Star Wars game response to everything to shoot it in the face <laughs> oh that's particularly brutal so let's get into <laughs> so let's get into it um i know what mage is uh but not everybody does i'm assuming some people listening to the show um they might be listening to this show for the first time they might not have ever played mage at all what is paradox uh, paradox is a contradiction in uh, reality. Uh, the uh, world believes what reality is. People uh, project what they believe into reality, and that forms a consensus of what the most people believe. And when a mage tries to change reality, they're going up against all those other people's beliefs. And uh, that builds up a negative charge within them when they uh, do it poorly or uh, do it carelessly. So let me ask you a question here. 
Um, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Finish your thought. Fine. Uh, that negative charge can erupt in a whole bunch of different ways that uh, can change the mage who was trying to change reality. Well, could you give us a few examples of how paradox might play itself out? Well, uh, most commonly, paradox will go off uh, briefly uh, and hopefully smallly and leave the uh, mage with a minor uh, irritation. Their senses might be off. Their uh, skin color might change. If uh, Examples from uh, fiction and anime. Uh, and, uh, uh, I can't remember the name, but... but uh, yeah, okay, uh, easy. In uh, Wizard of Oz... Uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, the green skin, uh, could easily be explained by Paradox. Ah, so how have you used Paradox in your own games? Well, in, in the games I've run, Paradox is just a looming threat of uh, you violating the setting and uh, it can bash back on you. Uh, most of my players are fairly uh, good at uh, avoiding it, actually. I'm kind of proud of that. <laughs> so what would be some ways of avoiding it? Well, uh, making sure your magic is coincidental, making sure you're within the realms of plausibility. You don't have to blow up a car. You could blow out its tires. Instead, tires blow out all the time. Very true. Uh, so what has been like the worst example of Paradox? When it, has it gotten to its ugliest in your game? Oh, well, the, the, the most ridiculous example is a friend of mine who uh, deliberately tried to draw down as much paradox as he could. He just completely went nuts summoning spirits. And he did that because we were up against a big bad, and he figured that uh, he could take the big bad with him when the paradox spirits came to get him. And it worked. Ooh, self-sacrifice. I love it. So what about the other traditions? I mean, what happens when, say, the Nefandi or the Marauders uh, invoke Paradox? What happens to them? It, it, it doesn't seem to really impact the Marauders so much. No, no. Uh, is basically, uh, the problem with Marauders is the Avatar's gone a little bit crazy, and uh, it's making their what they believe uh, manifest around them. It kind of creates kind of a deflector shield, and Paradox goes off to the nearest available target, which could be the player's. Ah, and the Nefandi? is incredibly dangerous. I have not done that yet. I do have a nasty Marauder character in wait for my character. This one, I run my Chronicles. Uh, what about Nefandi? I mean, does it just affect them equally, or do they get off the hook somehow? Well, Nefandi don't really have a way out of uh, Paradox. Their uh, entire belief system is kind of a violation of reality as it is, so they tend to live with horrible Paradox flaws uh, The the make them even more grotesque and disturbing. They learn to hide it, but they're still often walking around with some kind of uh, twist to their pattern that uh, makes them unnatural and strange. Now, I, I, this is the part I, I don't understand quite yet. Like I said, I'm still making way through the rule book. I think I'm at this point 350 pages in, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm still not quite certain on how you're able to dispel paradox. It's, it's through meditation or something? How, how does that work? How do you get rid of paradox? It's a lot harder than that. Basically, the way to get rid of paradox is to stop doing magic for a while. It bleeds off about a point a week. Uh, in some games I've run, I've sped that up a bit because I don't want to spend months in downtime while everybody lets the paradox uh, bleed out. Uh, some players, uh, myself included, sometimes will deliberately start casting magic carelessly to make what they've got backlash and get it over with quickly. 
I'm st- still not following you because it sounds like that's just invoking more paradox. It can, it can. Uh, but uh, the basic rule is that uh, coincidental magic does not get you paradox at all. You can get away scot-free if you're clever. If you're going to do something blatant that could never obviously happen, like make things float across the room or you know telekinetically throw a car over onto somebody, you're going to get a point or two of paradox regardless. It's going to build up. If you botch, you're in for a lot more paradox. It can double uh, the uh, highest sphere involved in the effect uh, for a uh, coincidental botch uh, is the amount of paradox you get. For a vulgar botch, it's twice that. So let me run a hypothetical because um, this is something I'm considering for my own chronicle. Let's say you have some mages duking it out inside a warehouse. There's no sleepers around. No, by sleepers, I mean just ordinary people for the, the layman listening to the show for the first time. So they're duking out in the warehouse. There's no sleepers any around. It's just them. They're all well-versed in magic. And they still incur paradox if it's just them. Yes, they, they will if it's... Uh... If they're doing things that could not happen on their own, they're going to gain paradox. It's vulgar without witnesses. They're going to gain a point just for doing it at all. Hmm. All right. It'll get in some in the when I came in, I played in revised, and there's an optional rule even in the new book uh, that uh, there's a uh, build-up. Reality can only take so much. It's uh, called the domino effect, and for every couple of, of vulgar effects that are cast in an area the difficulty goes up for every subsequent couple of casts. So you can wear your local reality out and it will just get done with you. Well, you know, um, because I am a sci-fi fantasy nerd, I've read plenty of books where they've had things similar to it. Uh, One of my favorite writers, his name is Bruce Sterling, and he has a book called Zeitgeist, and there are lots of examples of paradox. He never outright calls it paradox. I'm not even sure he was aware of Mage when he wrote it. Um, but there are characters who push the boundaries of reality so much that they just get wiped off the map and, and disappear. And right. I, I think those are really good examples of uh, paradox. Um, no, a lot of people talked about the Dresden Files, which I've only seen one episode, but they talk about that as being a very mage-like show with also examples of paradox. Have you watched it? Do you find that to be true, or, or have you read I the have series? Seen the, the show. I've read uh, the books as well, which get way more in-depth into what it is that Harry is trying to pull off. There's a lot of examples in that book series that could be paradox. The way technology is disrupted within uh, the character's or wizard's presence in that setting could be easily explained as a paradox effect. Are there any other examples in literature or movies or TV shows that uh, people could watch or read to get better examples of paradox that they could uh, employ in their own game? Well, even in uh, uh, you know more traditional fancy stuff, uh, the uh, Law of Three that's uh, very popular uh, for uh, witch type characters and uh, is drawn from Wicca, I believe. Uh, if the things you do come back on you threefold, uh, very common use of uh, the consequences of trying to tamper with reality, and fiction is full of examples of consequences of trying to tamper with reality, even in. The uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, when Mickey takes his uh, eyes off the ball for a couple of minutes and takes a nap, everything goes crazy. Perfect. You know, now that you brought up Sorcerer's Apprentice, it's actually something I want to move on to. Um, I want to talk about Paradox and Dark Ages Mage and Victorian Mage. 
from what I understand, uh, Paradox does not apply in Dark Ages, or it's, it's less stringent, and uh, Victorian Mage I don't know anything about. So what can you tell us about Victorian those two? Mage hasn't been published yet, but uh, in uh, Dark Ages, basically you only got any kind of Paradox if you failed, if you had a ba- if you botched and your uh, magic comes backlashing back on you because you didn't do it right. Now, I know a lot of people have a deep love for Dark Ages Mage. I've never played it myself, obviously. Uh, what's your take on Dark Mages? I mean, Dark Ages Mage. Never got to run or play any game on it. I did buy the book uh, when I was buying like all the books at half price books back in the day, uh, and uh, it's a very different setting. The uh, they don't use the spear system. They have a uh, a different entirely system for it, and. Uh, Basically, the, though, as far as Paradox goes, the premise is that back in the Dark Ages, there wasn't a consensual reality. You didn't have enough people who believed the same thing for reality to have the teeth it does in the modern day. And you said Victorian Mage has not been published yet. No, uh, the Sorcerer's Crusade came out, and it's set in the 1500s during the... Uh, period of time where the traditions and uh, the technocracy, which was called the Order of Reason at the time, were initially going to war in a big way. And at the time, Paradox would, uh, Paradox was more local. It would reflect local belief systems. And uh, even to that point, sometimes if you had a uh, backlash, but you were in tune with what people believed that people with power should be doing, you might get a blessing instead of a curse. You might get a uh, bonus or a benefit from uh, the forces that were uh, uh, twisting around you. I see. Well, I I think one of my interests in Victorian Mage is that there is a museum in Los Angeles. It's called the Museum of Jurassic Technology. A very memorable name. Uh, The theme behind that particular museum is that explorers culture in science and magic because there is a time in human history when we were progressing in the scientific revolution but it hadn't been codified yet and so old wives tales and superstitions got mixed in with science and because we hadn't sorted it through yet and so still sorting it through but yeah (laughs) well yeah we're definitely still sorting it through but you know we're further along than we were before um, but back then, uh, give you an example, if you wanted to get rid of some sort of ailment, what, we, what you would do is eat a slice of bread with two dead mice on it. Uh, that was one of their exhibits. And of course, that's magical thinking. It's not exactly scientific. Um, and so I can see a lot of that playing out in, say, Victorian mage. Because of course, at that point, the Industri- Industrial Revolution is uh, getting started or in full swing. But there's still a lot of magical thinking going along, so there could be a lot of room for fun and plot hooks in that. And what you're describing is like the basic tool set of the Sons of Ether. They love taking old ideas and and, uh, things that have been sitting there collecting dust and brushing them off and making them work again, or trying to make them work again. Huh. You know, this led to a new thought, which I'd never considered before. Is there any particular tradition that seems to incur more paradox than others? Because it seems like the Sons of Ether, because it, they seem very uh, steampunk and, and outdated, that uh, I don't see how you'd fit them into the 21st century. So going back to my original question, is there any particular tradition that seems to incur more paradox than others? 
Well, a lot of the more primal uh, uh, mages tend to incur a lot more paradox because the world is moving on into a more technological and science-based standpoint. Uh, the Sons of Ether have a slight advantage in that, is they're, they're technically uh, considered technomancers. And, uh, you know, you're waving a device and things happen and people say, oh, well, it's just a gadget. Huh. You can convince but... people that you, what you're doing is, is working if... Uh, they can grasp some form of cause and effect. Which is also what the uh, technocracy does. Yes, that, that's their main power kit, is that they have, uh, in the setting, convinced the world that their tools are the only ways that uh, these wondrous things can occur. Now, before we go any further, we've got two listeners on Zcast, and so I want to invite both of you listeners to participate in the show. If you have any questions or if there's something you'd like to bring up, uh, just send us a text message and we will get to you. And also this show will be going out live as a podcast in about an hour or two. So um, I'm going to take this back to the beginning. Uh, maybe you were being cheeky, but also maybe there's a thing we could dig into. But the when I asked you for an explanation of the show, you said every modern day fantasy story has to confront a fundamental question. If magic is real, where has it been hiding all that time? And that's very much like Fermi's paradox. So were you just being cheeky, or is there actually something behind that that you wanted to dig into? Well, it's I enjoy modern-day fantasy. I've very much enjoyed the Dresden Files, the Anita Blake stories, the uh, Hollows series, uh, and uh, they all have to answer that question. If you're, if you're living in the modern day and these people are doing magic, well, how is the setting consistent where most people, you know, tend to, you know, wave off that as woo-woo and silliness. Uh, and uh, the Dresden Files answers it by having it be hidden and underground. The Hollow series answers it by having a, a complete revision of the setting uh, where a, a disaster has occurred and now only the magic people and the uh, fantasy creatures are left. Uh, the Anita Blake books kind of uh, just throws all that out and has uh, people openly working as necromancers for businesses. The Hollow series. I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, what's the name of the author? Uh, Hollow. Kim Harrison's uh, uh, series. Okay, I am familiar with that. All right. Well, uh, again, I would direct listeners to uh, Bruce Sterling's Zeitgeist. And are you familiar with Neil Stevenson? Uh, a little bit. Yes, I've read the Cryptonomicon. That was a lot of fun. Well, right. So he wrote a book. He co-authored a book with another author. Unfortunately. Uh, her name escapes me. I should have wrote it down for the show notes. Uh, but it's called The Rise and Fall of Dodo, and Dodo is an acronym. And um, it deals a lot with magic, and it deals a lot with paradox. And if people who are listening are looking for a plot hooks, that is an excellent book to go to. Um, now, you said in some of your games that if people use uh, magic and they incur a paradox, that um, sometimes they cannot use magic for a period of weeks or months. Uh, you said that you... Pardon? Oh, it's not safe to. It's not safe to. The more paradox you have, the more risk you're at for a backlash. There are more dice that the storyteller will roll when uh, the uh, backlash occurs. So, you know, you're building up this charge that could go off at, well, in revised, it could go off at any minute at the drop of the hat when the storyteller felt like, oh, something should happen now. So, you know, it actually seems like you could get a lot of mileage and a lot of fun out of characters who could not use magic and put them into some very desperate situations. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. To my mind, anything that builds drama is useful for the game. Our storyteller, uh, Tony, 
was a master of just like looking around at what the players were doing, what we were, what the setting was, and figure out what the most ridiculous and over the top dramatic thing he could do then, and just nailing it. He was really good at that. So is that the guy who got you all into Mage? That guy. That's the guy who got us into Mage. Yeah. Uh, he. Uh, oh man, he had been playing for longer than any of us, and uh, he was just uh, he was a theater person. He was a role playing person. He. He would have been really good at LARPing if uh, we had all been into that. But uh, he was just really good at spinning a story. He, he was. I, I still haven't met anybody that we, I've seen met people who are better technically at the rules of the game, but I haven't met anybody who has been able to like just see what's going on and push it in a more exciting direction than him. Could you give us say one example of how he did that in his games? Oh, well, he had, a, like I said, a big flair for the dramatic, and uh, we had a story where we were uh, trying to find out more about what had happened to one of the characters who had been uh, attacked, and he had his eyes taken. And uh, we had, were kicking around Vatican City uh, trying to find lore about the person who had done this, and uh, he and Tony decided that uh, go big or go home, he has Lucifer himself show up. <laughs> and uh, tempt the character with getting his eyes back. The character just up and refused. And Lucifer gets mad and basically curses him with not being able to turn off his mystic sight. So the character who is already blind is now having to uh, magically blind himself from his mystic sight, which he was using to get around and, and be able to function. Oh, that's brilliant. Just too overwhelming. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, I'm going to steal that. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to pay homage to it. All right, so we have a couple of minutes left. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to talk about about me? I'm um, uh, sorry. Getting rid of paradox. Uh, there are other ways to get rid of paradox uh, other than invoking a backlash or just waiting for it to go away. Permanent paradox. The paradox that you get from enormous backlashes or enchanting your yourself permanently with strength or mystic sight or whatnot. Uh, you, it's really difficult to get rid of that, but there are a couple of ways. Uh, there's places in the Umbra where you can shed yourself of it, and Archmages have found ways to do that, but there is a catch. It costs you uh, parts of your avatar. You have to carve off the parts that have been tainted by the Paradox in order to get rid of it. No, you said arch, Archmages. Uh, you, they're able to get around it. Um, are they able to get around it also by carving off chunks of their avatar? How do they get around it? Well, they, that's, they go off into the Umbra and literally sacrifice parts of their own power in order to get rid of that paradox. It's a dangerous and a painful process. Hmm. All right. Well, I uh, have an ability where they can cancel out some paradox, but it's risky in and of itself. Okay. All right. Uh, like I said, we're about at the end of the show. Anything else you want to cover regarding Paradox that uh, we only touch upon lightly or we didn't address at all? Uh, well, I, I feel that uh, players fear Paradox too much. It's not something bad happening to your character. It's something dramatic happening to your character. If you can roll with it, if you can have fun with this new little quirk, if your character suddenly has an extra eye somewhere or a uh, talking mouth in his hand or something bizarre, have fun with it. Don't just fear the bad thing happened to your character. You know, that is an excellent point, and it's something I'm learning to deal with myself because in the Vampire Chronicle I'm playing, some terrible things have happened to my character, and at first I fume and I get upset because like, that's not what I had planned for my character, and it's, it's, it's messing around with my adventure. 
But then I take a step back, like, no, I need to embrace this because this is going to make the game that much more interesting and that much more fun. So that is an excellent point. Okay, well, on that note, uh, I want to thank you again for joining us on the show. And also, it's been a pleasure. And um, listeners, join us again next week because we are going to start a new series. It's called Mage Chronicles. And what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to have listeners uh, and people who are storytellers and players come on the show and talk about why a chronicle that they played in or ran was so special. And so we're going to have Joseph Kinzer. He's the co-host of the Walking Away from Arcadia podcast. That's where they talk about all things changing. And he's actually going to be talking about the Sorcerer's Crusade. And it's going to be great fun. You can also find us online at magethepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at magethepodcast. And um, incidentally, I'm going to be starting a Mage Chronicle on Twitter. I've never done anything like this before, so I'm not sure how it's going to play out. It might be a play-by-post type of thing. Uh, But if you are interested, you can follow us on hashtag Sync, and that's S-I-N-C-H, S-I-N-C-H. And um, please subscribe to Mage, the podcast on iTunes. Also, you can find us on Google Play, and now you can find us on the TuneIn app. So, Lee, thanks for joining us on Mage the Podcast. It's been a great fun talking to you. And once again, congrats on the birth of your baby girl. Thank you. And it's been a great time. For Lee Webb uh, and also Mage the Podcast, I am Joseph Leo, and we are out of here. And we'll see you again next week.